I'm pretty excited about this next interview because I have lost, uh, personally, three wonderful friends to pancreatic cancer. And it is just anytime I hear that somebody has pancreatic cancer, I shudder because uh, it is very aggressive. Dr. Kostas Lishotis joins the show now, Associate Professor in Molecular and Integrative uh, Physiology at the University of Michigan and the Rajal uh, Cancer Center in the U.S. to talk about this discovery. They may have found a way to block the food source of pancreatic cancer, and hopefully this could lead to a breakthrough treatment for the deadly disease. That is music to my ears. That That is incredible news. Welcome to the show, Dr. Hi, Kelly. Yeah, well, thank you so much for the opportunity to share our work and uh, to raise awareness for this terrible disease. And I'm really sorry to hear about your losses. It is a tough one. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now, pancreatic cancer and, and most tum- tumors I'm reading here, they apparently will do, you know, they, they take use of anything in their environment and use it for their benefit. In this case, you were looking at its food supply. What is pancreatic cancer, the tumor at least in the cells, what do they usually uh, feed on to continue to grow? Sure. Pancreatic cancer, the tumors are remarkably adaptable. They'll eat just about anything that's around. And uh, they, um, so that's what we demonstrated. They normally use carbohydrates, sugars, proteins, amino acids. We found when those nutrients are blocked that they find other ways uh, to feed themselves using uh, nucleosides. Okay. What, what is, uh, give us, you know, a very simplistic view of what a nucleoside is. Sounds like something in a cell. That's right. So it's a part of DNA. DNA is um, the instruction manual that's in, inside of every cell. DNA is converted into RNA. Uh, This is a central dogma, they call it, and that RNA contains a lot of nucleosides. And before our work, it wasn't appreciated that those actually can be a source of food for cancer cells when they're starved. Okay, and when when they are, obviously, food for cancer cells is different, but it would be something that could create energy so that that cell could divide and and, uh, continue to grow. Is that correct, or am I being overly simplistic? No, that's right. And maybe let me take a step back and put it into context. So pancreatic cancer is the deadliest major cancer out there, both in Canada and in the United States. And uh, that owes in a big part to the fact that they're resistant to all the different types of treatment we have. So oncologists are pretty good at treating some types of cancers, and they have the same types of medicines available for pancreatic cancer. So why haven't we made headway against this disease? Well, where we have for other diseases. And the reason is this, this uh, flexibility. So pancreatic cancer, everything we throw at them, they find a different way to get around it. And our, um, our work describes yet another one of these mechanisms mm-hmm. where they're able to, if we block one pathway, turn around and use a different pathway to stay alive. Uh, and so figuring out all of these different adaptations is really the key to cracking the code to finding new effective ways to treat the disease. So you finding out that they will go for uh, this uh, molecule, which you're, uh, you've been quite specific in this article I'm looking at, uridine. Uh, the, now that you know that it will go, and uh, if you cut off its other food supplies, it'll go for this, what you're working on is cutting off the last resort. Is that correct? Yeah, that's one way to look at it. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm impressed to hear you <laughs> 
you're reading these uh, esoteric scientific articles and really distilling down the central points. Um, one more bit about it I'd, I'd like to tell you. The immune cells they, uh, that exist in your body, your immune system, one of their jobs is to recognize and kill cancer. And just like the cancer cells, they also need food. And so one of the things the cancer cells will do is eat up all of the nutrients. We know that. And when those nutrients are gone, they have this backup supply. But one of the reasons they do that is to keep the, the food from the immune cells. Uh, it's sort of this arms race between immune cells, the good guys, and cancer cells, the bad guys. So when they gobble up, the cancer cells gobble everything up, it's not just we're cutting off their food supply, but by blocking the way that they eat it, we're leaving behind nutrients that the immune system can then use, making them stronger and more effective um, against the cancer. So how do you block, um, you know, something that the immune system needs as well effectively so the cancer doesn't recognize it as an option for food, but the immune system still can access it and fight the cancer? Yeah, I, this is really such a smart question. I think I'm going to invite you to come work in my lab. <laughs> uh, the, that's the name of the game in cancer. So cancer cells arise from normal cells, and most of the physiological processes that exist in the cancer cell exist in the normal cell. How do we target any process in a cancer without affecting the healthy cells in the body? Uh, and really, these sort of molecular characterizations of cancer, the basic science research that is at the heart of the work that's in my lab and a number of labs across North America, is you know, finding what we call the therapeutic window. So how can we effectively target the pathway uniquely in the cancer cell while sparing it in the normal body, while sparing it in the immune system? Right. And so how do we do that? So, I mean, in this case, again, this is a, a basic science um, story. What we found is the genes and pathways that ah. are responsible, taking that information, the next couple steps to making drugs that can effectively do this is sometimes a long and expensive process. So we've identified new drug targets that we think have the potential mm -hmm. um, inside of the cancer cells that the immune cells are not using. And these are ones that we're now actively doing drug hunting against uh, and testing to see if, uh, if there is potential here. Wow, that's exciting. I mean, it, it sounds like it's going to be a lengthy process. I don't want to ask you for a timeline here because I know that it's probably unreasonable to ask for a timeline. But um, how excited is everybody working in the field um, about this, uh, this study that you've, uh, you've been part of? So this particular story, yeah, like you said, there is a lengthier timeline on this, but, you know, we are one group and uh, the pancreatic cancer research community um, across North America, across the world, has really united behind making progress. And I mean, it's been exceptional. So the work we're doing has some time yet to mature, but there are a number of other approaches um, where we're moving the needle mm -hmm. uh, five years ago. The five-year survival rate for pancreatic cancer was around 5%. Um, based on new awareness, uh, earlier diagnosis, improvements in treatments, improvements in imaging, uh, taxpayer funding, and other mechanisms of support, we've moved the needle now up to 12%. So the five-year survival went from 5% to 12%. And that might seem like a small number, but you know that is real progress. Mm -hmm. uh, each one of those percents represents a lot of people. So, um, and it's, it's based on foundational studies like that we're doing, but there's 
There's a lot of other drugs that are now moving into the clinic uh, that are available for patients that want to get on clinical trials and try new things. There's some new medicines that have moved their way into the clinic. And uh, I think there's a lot of excitement from, uh, from myself and from labs around the country uh, to chase those. Dr. Kostis, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I want to thank you for your time and also your kind words. If I wasn't doing this, I would have tried to pursue some sort of line of of, uh, science as a career. But I obviously am quite interested in in talking to people like you, um, make it more enjoyable. Well, let's call it a standing invitation. Anytime you want to come work on the bench in my lab, uh, you're welcome to. And thanks again so much for the opportunity. It's a real pleasure. You have a great day, doctor. Thank you. Dr. Kostas Lishotis is Associate Professor in Molecular and Integrative uh, Physiology at the University of Michigan and the Rajal Cancer Center in the U.S. So some hopeful news there.